Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello, and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Jonathan Holland, founder and CEO of Curex. Curex is a company that provides tools for enabling online foreign exchange transactions at reasonable rates. In addition to that, they are about to launch a new product that will allow vendors to take payment by Interac. And with that, here's Jonathan Holland. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, everyone. Happy to be here. So, Jonathan Holland, CEO of Curex. Tell us about Curex. So, Curex is essentially what well, we do two things now. It's we help businesses that need to send and receive money. So, if you're a business owner and you need to send money to a supplier in another country, mm-hmm. we can help you do that right from our online platform for a cheaper price tag than what a bank would typically charge different currencies, any country you'd like to send money to. And then accepting money would be in via invoice or in an online checkout, which is essentially a direct debit way of paying without ever leaving your online store. In addition to the credit card options you're probably already offering and PayPal potentially as well. Okay, perfect. So we're going to dive deep on that in a bit, but tell me about your journey to starting this company. Sure. Yeah. So I started the business four years ago. I wanted to be a banker. So I went to university Why? naturally. Oh, <laughs> I love equities. I love capital markets. I love to, you know, value stocks. Banking, it's and, investing. Yeah, true. that's very true. Yeah. Everybody loves that. Stuff. Yeah. It's the sexy stuff of, of yeah. money. Nobody's uh, talking about the 120 hours in iBanking. Yes. And, and what, what works at the minimum wage once you actually do the math. Yeah, actually yeah. though. Yeah. But yeah. at least you're working so many hours, you can't spend the money, I guess. Yeah, Maybe that's, the, that's, the, like, that's <laughs> the other problem. I got this beautiful house that's empty. Yeah. <laughs> So that was originally what I wanted to go into banking. So I figured I would go try and be an equity analyst, Uh, started to get my degree. I was like super nerd at school, president of the finance club. Uh, That is not something to be ashamed of. (laughs) I guess not. No. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. It was a good time and got to do a lot of different competitions and stuff through my school. So I thought that was enough of a resume builder to get an interview, but apparently it wasn't. So applied at all the different iBanking companies, um, all the different banks and stuff like that. Nobody gave me an interview. You know what's funny? So, I yeah. had a similar experience. And I actually, because okay. I had worked at, um, I worked at a major brokerage firm all through university. Okay. I didn't apply for any of those because I knew what the life was. And I saw what these guys oh, were looking okay. like 10 years, like five years into it and the burnout rate. And it was like, oh, why aren't you applying for this? It pays so much. I'm like, because I don't want to have a heart attack before I'm 30. <laughs> see, I didn't know enough information yeah, on things. So I was blindly jumping into it. Fair know? enough. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so basically, Jason, out of that, I, I looked at banking and I thought, wow, this is an industry that hasn't really been touched by technology in an efficient way yet. I mean, the experiences are still pretty old school. And I looked at the UK and these other countries yep. and they're coming up with these really interesting, great user experiences, helping the end customer in a better way. And we all know with stories like Netflix and others out there that those when you provide those better experiences, you tend to dominate and, and acquire customers. That way. So I looked at banking and somehow stumbled upon international students having to send wire transfers around the world. And I thought, well, I learned about a wire transfer and how hard it is to send one going down mm-hmm. to a bank. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way to do this. So that's where it kind of started. And then from there, I'm just blindly kind of starting to build this company. When I first sat down, I typed in Google, how do you build a Canadian company? Like I knew absolutely <laughs> nothing. Don't come from a family of like entrepreneurs yeah. or any kind of background and stuff like that. And I'm at Brock University is where I went to school and nobody was building businesses. Everybody was trying to get a job somewhere. 
So I started building that. Out That's of a the, sad indictment of universities. I know, in right? It really is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. amazing. I remember that same experience. It's just like, they were just all, everybody just wanted to have the, you know, plum high paying job handed to them because of yeah. their marks as opposed to going out and building something, but it is what it is. Yeah. But that's the university life, right? It, there's well, connections out of it. It is. Like, I would say that, you know, various universities in the U S that are, you know, we'll, we'll pick on Stanford. Uh, sure, there's yeah. a disproportionate number of startups that come out of there, but it is in the Valley. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah. it's exactly. Yeah. yeah. So essentially I sat down and started trying to build this company. I'm in St. Catharines, Ontario. Nobody does payments. Nobody's in banking. So you'd think, I guess at that point I would lose confidence or something building the company. But what I would do is I'd sit at my desk and to get motivation, I would type in motivational speech or motivational video into YouTube. <laughs> and what would pop up is like Will Smith, Denzel Washington, Warren yeah. Buffett, you name it, Steve Jobs would all be speaking. And I got to know all of their voices perfectly. So even if I had my headphones in, I'd recognize who it was. And they all tell you the same stuff. Like Steve Jobs says, you're never going to know looking forward how it's all going to work out, but you can connect the dots when you look back. So you just have to trust that the dots will connect. And I guess I blindly just use that as, okay, I'm just going to keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. The first four months I worked nine to five, Monday to Friday. And then I started listening to these individuals and found out that it takes more than that. You have to be obsessed like a professional mm -hmm. athlete. If you want to nine to five is a salaried employee. Yeah. Like no one ever gets to the top of their game by basically putting in the same hours everybody else does. It's exactly it. Um, right. But me Googling, how do you build a Canadian company? I don't know anything at this point. Yeah, and that's kind exactly. of where I started out. But I quickly learned from like these experts. I looked at the individuals around me and it's not that they're not doing great things and they're in what they wanted to do in life. But I looked at them and I said, well, I'm not willing to trade places with anybody around me. So I became a complete loner and I would just do work for 16 hours a day, listen to these guys for motivation on YouTube. And then I would continue plugging forward with the business. And I don't know, it was just kind of a trial and error thing. And I just kept working on it. But I think the biggest pivotal moment for the business was I landed uh, working with our CTO, built and sold three companies. He's uh, been doing this for 25 plus years. How far along was that? This was eight months into having conversations with them. Mm -hmm. I've reached out to him on LinkedIn. Thankfully, when you set CEO on your LinkedIn, people are willing to talk to you. Even so though there's no one else in the company when they click on it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're just empty. not clicking through. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he had a passion for fintech, so yeah. he accepted the call. I'm not yeah. sure what that was. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. right? Everybody in there. Oh, <laughs> number of times, like business card, your, your card says founder. It means you're alone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had a conversation with him, told him what I was trying to do. I guess it was interesting enough for him to keep in contact. And I would just update him throughout the process of all of the developers I had come in and just complete failures with all that. Probably three different development shops, two or so different developers. They'd try and start to build something and it wouldn't work. Things didn't click. And I still know nothing about tech, so I have no idea how it all they weren't pieces fully, together. I mean, they weren't full time, so they weren't fully invested in it. Right? Well, it could be that, but it's also they're like younger or the big development yeah. shops. It's like we got a quote from them, but they must have been busy. I don't yeah. actually know what happened there. They gave me a pretty yeah. hefty quote. As one of my developers you know? says all the time, it's really hard to find good developers because there's so many crappy ones out there. But <laughs> it's probably it is what it, it is. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually Tim uh, wanted to work beside us, which yep. is great and uh, build the technology today. And yeah, from there, just kind of kept working out. I got into a program called the next 36 in Canada. Mm. Uh, the founders of this have built and sold companies for billion dollars plus. For example, Tony Lacovera is uh, sitting on the board, uh, founder of uh, Wind Mobile, sold for $1.6 billion. Uh, Reza Sachu and Ajay Agarwal are the two kind of founders of it. Reza uh, sold his first company for about a billion dollar supplier market, second for $110 million. Um, Reza Agarwal, what's he, what's he doing? Ajay's uh, U of T, uh, yeah. founder of Creative Destruction Lab. That's right. Uh, also Kindred.ai, which is building robots with human-like intelligence. Just really intelligent, great, driven uh, Canadian 
entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. they're uh, just trying to do big things. And the whole mandate of the next 36 is to find 36 kind of students who are just getting out of school once a year and basically train them, well, narrow us down into finding what they believe are the best potential for a founder and then teach us to think bigger. Because they say that the statistics right now are showing that U.S. income per capita and Canadian income per capita are just continuously expanding. Diverging constantly. Diverging constantly yeah. and over the last 30 years. And the reason that they believe that this is happening is we're not building the YouTubes, Googles, Facebooks of the world. We'll build a, a business, sell it for $50 million, we walk away happy and you're a big hero in Canada. Yeah, or we get but poached very early by it. We buy it, we sell it to U.S. companies very early. All no the one, time. Yeah, there's and not many Shopify the stories out there that exactly. they get to the top of their market and, and maintain their position. I totally get that. That. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they want to do is build more Shopify's hoot suites of the Canadian yeah. market and really scale these things globally. Yeah, FreshBooks, so it, those types of players. Yeah, exactly. FreshBooks is a perfect example too. Yeah. And uh, so taught me, I think, to think bigger, even though I already had billion dollar plus ambitions for the company, but it allows you to be around these individuals who've done it before. And it really gives you that confidence, I guess. After that, I well, I moved to Toronto for that program in 2016. I was going to say, I don't think St. Catharines is the deepest yeah. pool when it comes to coding talent. But, no, not necessarily, yeah. right? Yeah. So I had to move to Toronto for that. I mean, I would take buses from St. Catharines up to Toronto just to have coffees with people. You know, I would do that and just meet with yourself, Jason, yeah. and just pick your brain. And, yeah. You know, because what network do you have there? You don't yeah. have it. So I quickly realized the network is the biggest thing and, and I had to move here. And Usually valuable. Never look back. You know, I love Toronto now, so... Well, fantastic. I got to say, you know, the one thing, nothing inspires me more than the story of hustle and the fact that you were eight months in a cave, 16 hours a day, figuring it out before you even had your first real partner in it. Congratulations. Like that, that's the kind of person you put a bet on. That's all. That's what I'll tell you. So whether it be this or something else, it'll definitely be a bet. So, okay. So that's a great story. Let's get into what it is you do. So basically you saw that there was too much friction in this, in this marketplace. And of course there's lots of players. I mean, we go back to the old days of Western union, Mm -hmm. literally charging, I don't even know what it was extortionate amounts to move money across the world Definitely. and taking however long to get there get to the digital age where you start to have the paypals for transfer for setting stuff in the interact money transfers and stuff like that but you still have hurdles you still have exchange fees you still have sizable fees i mean your website spells it out right there average bank fee 3.64 percent not to mention 35 to 50 dollars for a wire fee which you know if you're trying to sell when you think about the situation of a lot of people especially when they're sending you know they'll always say sending money back home right so they're mm. always typically supporting family and other parts of the world and you're not talking about a lot of money oftentimes. They're trying to wire 500 bucks, right? Yeah. Like now we're starting talking about, you know, 15% friction rates almost, mm-hmm. right? So you're basically saying flat out 1%. So besides the, the you know, the, the magic number of one, mm-hmm. what drives the ability to undercut these people mm-hmm. by almost 75%? So basically what it is, is uh, we have enough buying power at this point. In addition to, that's an easier way to explain it to mm-hmm. the general public. But in a nutshell, we've partnered up with Barclays Bank, mm-hmm. who's a global leader in international payments. It's one of the yep. largest. Um, we've connected directly with their APIs essentially to, which is essentially for any, any listeners who don't know, it's our website communicates with their website and our computers back in systems. They hear API in this podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm unsure of my audience right now. That's all. No, fair um, enough. Yeah. And then, so basically we're able to offer cheaper pricing based on that alone. Excellent. So basically you are not swallowing the margin. You're passing on the margin in order to make sure that the number stays at a nice lower level to capture market. That's exactly so, right. Excellent. Yeah. So who are you basically, who are your customers at this point? So, well, we initially started because we are launching a new product tonight, actually, um, which is congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So for the curious part, it's the small business owners, the business owners that are ambitious enough to scale internationally, but they're so small that banks just say, come down to the branch to send that wire transfer to China. It's just not efficient. 
And that's why the foreign exchange kind of industry popped out. You had other players uh, kind of come out of the woodworks to help do this kind of stuff. And, and there is uh, no more obfuscated industry in history. I mean, the witchcraft behind for FX is just like, you can see a posted rate on the news. Yeah. That has nothing to do with what you're going to pay. Yeah. If you actually look at like a chart, a currency mm-hmm. exchange chart, and look at the rate that they would have given you, you would never in a stock chart pay that kind of a... A, a, a spread? Absolutely yeah, not. It's insane. Well, I mean, like, I'm not going to, you know, someone I know in another in a venture I'm involved, I'm not going to say which one of the three, <laughs> you know, used to have a past yeah. life trading, uh, trading sure. yeah. uh, you know, currencies and, you know, doing what she was told. And yeah. basically it was like, yeah, I know how bad people get screwed. Like it's, it's, it's deep. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, a 3% spread. I mean, it's absolutely it's insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, ugh, yeah. I don't know that there's enough handling at all that could justify that price. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There just isn't. I mean, they're just there and they have the opportunity to take advantage of it. So, so basically I'm a business. I start doing, I need to send money around the world regularly now or accept as soon as accept payment from around the world. Bottom line is I do not want to deal with the bank because they're going to extort me. <laughs> a better term. How do they find you? Where are you sourcing these people? This so basically we do a lot of content stuff. We have a blog that we post out there. We're very diligent on getting, writing the blog in, in such a way where a lot of eyeballs stay on it mm-hmm. for a period of time. Cause it's actually valuable uh, data driven content with actionable items out of it. So when you read it, you're pretty captured by it and allow you to execute on it and get something done. Now, the reason we do that for one is to provide value to people, but it also lets Google rank us higher. So if you type into Google best days to exchange USD to CAD, we'll be on the first page of Google for one of our blog posts Hmm. where we analyze 10 years worth of foreign exchange data and found some really cool patterns and better days of the week. So you're doing a social thing, right? You're providing a lot of value to basically get to the top of the chart. Are there particular verticals that you've been basically integrated, like that have been really moving towards you, a certain type of industry, certain type of vendor, certain size of client? It's very agnostic minus the size of client. If you're a hundred employee company plus, you probably have access to now your bank's advanced yeah. platform. You have an account manager. Now you're yeah. kind of now they're treating you like a human now being. and the spreads aren't as big, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like they're we're only going to screw you to this degree going forward. <laughs> <laughs> until you're successful. Yeah. And then we'll give you better percentage yeah, costs, exactly. on everything, which tends to be the way the world works. Right. But yeah. it's uh, so we're trying to kind of provide value to those smaller guys, but it's very agnostic. We service other fintech companies we can go to plastics manufacturing to drone media companies like you name it we kind Mm -hmm. of service hundreds of clients now on the platform but i will say like the original product the curex product it's a little bit different the market that we're going after for the next product which is a checkout api so if anybody knows stripe any listeners very very easy to integrate it's a line of code same with us it's a line of code Stripe offers credit cards. We offer debit cards essentially. And what we're trying to do is sit beside Stripe and offer a debit card option. What we're finding is the conversions on an online website are increasing by 12% based on our current data. Based on the ability to use debit cards. Believe it or not. Like I love credit. I have good credit. I use credit cards. I don't even use my own product. Like I totally get it because quite frankly, like I use credit card for everything, but I'm, you know, I haven't, I think a last balance I carried was $5. I accidentally rounded off wrong and that's it. Like it's the reality is, is that it's not going to be there. But for a lot of people, it's the old thing you know, they can't do it because they're worried about the risk of them not paying it off. And I, I understand that. So a 12% upside by the ability to use yeah. conversion. Yeah. That's, that's how many people are dropping off. Cause the, the, and think about it, you're paying a Facebook ad to drive traffic to your site. They're interested in buying, they fill up their shopping cart. They go all the way to the end. They're about to give you their money. Yeah. They see credit card and they drop off. So this is your experience. I'm, I'm curious, like yeah. how is this known? Is there a stat throughout the industry that's, that's, that's known as well? This is our personal data. This is your personal yeah. data. And this if you data. put that out there for the rest of the industry to see and, and basically say, whoa, frankly, if I was seeing that kind of, if I, that's a question, like people drop off, why do they drop off? Right. You always know that by the time they get to the checkout, there's going to be a certain number of people just like, they're just not going to put in that number. Right. But we don't know why. Right. And now you're basically saying that end of the day, you're, you get a 12% upside. 
if yeah. you offer debit services, which to me has always been a very weird little thing as to why is this not being done? Why do I not have this option? Don't get me wrong. I'm going to use credit regardless. So I know the answers to that. It's very simple. So credit cards are very easy to use, right? Number on the front, you get the, the expire date and then the three numbers on the back and you Correct. put it in. So it's, it's kind of been developed as a very easy way to pay online. Pre-existing infrastructure. People in the past have tried to ask for your like in Canada transit number and account number or routing number, account number in the US. Yeah, good luck. People no one don't knows. know that off by heart. What are these numbers on check? the bottom of a check? Yeah. Well, actually, that was a scene in uh, Catch Me If You Can. He's like, you mean those numbers at the bottom of a check? something it's like <laughs> no they're there for decoration jerk like i don't remember the movie that's funny oh, it was yeah. good it was uh it was right when anyway right when they caught the check fraud the first time <laughs> nice yeah so i mean people weren't willing to do that in the past we've developed some proprietary technology where we pull from different sources to be able to source the numbers that we need essentially is what we do so how do you do that i'm sorry i'm very curious about that so, so how i, do you I don't want to go too in depth yeah. in, in the sense that this is kind of our secret sauce but okay. in, in general um and anybody that wants to actually you know talk about the product or get a demo i'm happy to do yeah, that curex.com well actually it'll be smartpayinc.io smartpayinc.io but is that Curex. live yet well, not yet. Not no, yet. No. Okay. You'll so see it'll be, it'll be live it. by the time this airs. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. And then if you go to curex.com, C-U-R-E-X-E.com, that will have all the marketing information right now. It yep. just displays the first product. So it'll have other info on it too. But yeah, it's some, um, I found it fascinating that people were, you know, actually converting this higher. And what we're finding is it's easy to speak with the online stores because they get it. They, they understand that you can offer debit and then it's better. Now, the reason people, in addition to it being hard, didn't offer debit is Interact in Canada put some pretty strenuous rules mm. on Visa debit and MasterCard debit. Now, Visa debit, MasterCard debit still charge the end business owner that 2.9%. Yeah. It's actually through a payment processor like Stripe, Visa, MasterCard get their 2% wholesale fee. They don't budge from that. Yeah. And then the payment processor like Stripe adds the As their difference. So yeah. it's always 2.9. So they do offer debit card options. You could use your debit, but it's still the high fees as well for the business. Yeah. We're coming in and undercutting that as well. We're changing the actual price structure for the entire industry. And we haven't seen that yet. We're charging 2% instead of that 2.9. And since we own Visa in the background, we like to say where Stripe partnered with Visa, Visa does all the back office stuff. We've built kind of the front facing Stripe, but we own our bank networks in the background and we built the technology to process the payments. So mm. our cost structure is different. So you've eliminated, you've eliminated intermediary. The, the Visa MasterCard core yeah. 2%, that's what we've removed from the equation. So we can actually play with those margins at that point. Interesting. Eliminated, yeah. not only again, technology is a lot of it. It's about eliminating middlemen because quite frankly, that's, yeah. where, the, that's where the bulk is. And so it's absolutely safe. I mean, we've partnered with banks to do this. It's yeah. going through banks. We haven't well, changed I mean, anything. Something, anytime you get into payments, safety better be your number one priority, right? Definitely. Yeah. So, so in, in essence, an implementation of what you guys are doing is, yeah, I should think it's probably as, as simple as a striper brain or a brain tree, right? It's a, it's a small simple, code yeah. injection. Yeah. Boom. It's uh, essentially you're up and running and you're gone in no time. Now I'm wondering, you guys probably integrate with various solutions. Do you integrate with like a Shopify or anything like that yet? Not yet, but yeah. we're in talks with, uh, so we just uh, reached out to OpenCart. They're yeah. a pretty large uh, e-commerce okay. player. We have a demo with them next week, which is exciting. This is very early. We just contacted Shopify mm -hmm. and all these guys. So eventually what we'll do is we'll build a custom payment integration into Shopify's of the world and all that. Um, and then we'll sell to them. I mean, it's going to be compelling. Yeah. You go to the marketplace yeah. on Shopify and you basically see 2.9% for Stripe and you see 1% for you guys. People are going to like, okay, where's the checklist of differences? Okay. Um, one. 2% on this one. 2% on Jason, this one. Ah, yeah. sorry. But 0.9 is still. 1% one, yeah. 1 to send money out to different Got countries. 2% to accept 2 your money. 2% to accept. Checker, so yeah. correct me on that. Which is but, still um, better. Than well, it's a, it's a freaking 33% <laughs> haircut. So yeah, it's still better. Yeah. So well done. Um, so how many numbers of currencies, how many currencies do you support currently? Up to 20. I mean, I don't know if I could list them all right now. Just all the majors, right? You got the, yeah. yeah so the Euro, ones. pound. We even do like South African rand, Egyptian pounds, stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because I mean, it's... Uh 
you start getting into some of the most these more esoteric currencies, it's still always going to be a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Always. The spreads are so much larger too. I mean, oh even if God, you're doing euros ever. in Canada, the bank will take five percent of all your money. Yeah, we have one client right. judging for international competitions all over the world, and she was like, "Oh, help me! How do I get this solved? I can't open up accounts in these numbers. I'm getting paid in these weird currencies." I'm like, "Your solution is to either eat the margin or don't take the job." Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah. There is no in between. There is no in between. So it sounds like you come. I mean, long way in four years. Has your competition seen this? You know, First of all, what do they think about the exchange or how this competition basically reacted to your exchange rates? And then in terms of the new product, as, does anyone know it's coming other than this podcast? <laughs> this, this is actually the first time we're doing anything public, to oh, be fantastic. fair. For the well, product. I timed this perfectly. <laughs> I don't know when it's airing, but like it's uh, definitely... I think two weeks, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, for the first product for the foreign exchange stuff, there's lots of competitors out there. Yep. So we, you know, we build our kind of sales funnel and we narrow it down to people only doing foreign exchange. And then out of that, there's a lot of competition. So it narrows your lead to customer funnel even more, the percentage you're converting. So yeah, there's lots of competition in that space, but we're finding with this new product, it just hasn't been done yet. Mm. And we'll message people about foreign exchange. They'll say, take me off your email list or not interested, something pretty blunt. And then we'll notice they have an online checkout, respond back with, oh, maybe this is something that would be valuable to you. And everybody says to us, let me know when this is launched. We'll integrate yeah. with this one. And well, I mean, so anyone, it's just a different game. Yeah. That we're playing. Would it be valuable to you to pay two instead of 2.9 <laughs> on every transaction? Yeah. Yes, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and with the foreign exchange stuff, I mean, we advertise 1%, but if you're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure there's you should there. be shopping yeah. around. So any listener Absolutely. here, if you're doing that kind of volume, call around your banks, call other foreign exchange companies. And that's what we've had to deal with too, is our customers calling around and yeah. they're shopping and they're I trying to squeeze it. us for margins. And that's fine. That's, that's what the they game, should be doing. Right? And that's, that's what they should yeah. be doing. And yeah. thank you for being honest about that because nothing annoys me more than someone who says, no, no, we can service everything in the best Honestly. way. No, like, no, you yeah. can't. We can't be all things You have to, to be people. real to build trust with people. That if you're not real. You know, I mean, you break it down. Finance is a trust game when it's what it comes down to. So basically, besides the initial struggle to get, you know, the, the first partner, like what have you been your biggest hurdles to date? How do you convince like a, a Barclays to do business when you, with you that young? Like I mean, That was literally the hardest thing, Jason, yeah. honestly. Like, so when I mentioned after eight months, you know, our CTO came on board, it took us from the first day, two and a half years to convince the CEO of a bank called Zag Bank in Canada. Hmm. They're owned by Desjardins. Nobody's ever heard of them yet. I have not. They have <laughs> like, they basically built like an ING Direct before it was Tangerine kind yeah. of uh, bank, online banking that they released kind of at the same time. And now they're regrouping and, and trying so to launch something. So in Quebec, I'm sure. Only certain, it, certain no, it's market. actually in Ontario. It's in Toronto oh, office. Where? Yeah, on Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> Zag Bank. Okay. Yeah, Zag Bank. Yeah. Wow. And, um, okay. So I know, no the, idea. I know David Raju, the CEO, and I know yeah. uh, John Hillis and stuff, the CMO. They're pretty well, and they're kind of piecing this together and launching. So but what did it take for them to crack? Basically, it took us selling the idea of we're going to be servicing the business customers in a unique way, giving this this value proposition. And for them, they saw it as, okay, this is an interesting value-added service that we could potentially integrate with, and we would sell like an API solution directly to their bank. That hasn't happened yet, and lots has changed in both of our worlds since then, but they believed in what we were doing and gave us our first ever bank account so that we could operate, meaning... We need a special bank account to pull yeah, money in and some send sort money of, out. Uh, what's it called? Oh, it's I, like a cash management kind of system uh, through. I am frozen on the name. Anyway, so um, merchant account. Yes. Yeah. Basically a merchant account. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that, and, and we're a registered money bank. service business. Yep. If you go to the bank and say, I want to open up a money service business, they mm-hmm. ask you if you're opening up a normal business account, are you a casino? 
a marijuana dispensary, a firearms dealer, and money service businesses on that list. And if you check off any one of those, compliance shuts it down right away. It needs to get more information. You have to take it up to the top to get it figured out. Is there any line of illegal business that was not mentioned there? The I know, was, right? The only thing that was missing was mafia. Maybe cannabis Check. now. <laughs> no, no, no. Still, yeah, no, maybe cannabis will come off there, but not anytime soon. But yeah. the, like, again, literally, the thing that was missing was mafia. Yeah. Check. Like, like, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, from a money laundering perspective and anything yes, money yeah. laundering, wow, I can't imagine the challenges on the compliance side, right? Yeah. I totally get that. I can't imagine people, you know, the people who showed up and I found a business with large duffel bags worth of cash. Um, <laughs> but it is what it is. It's funny you mention that because we would joke with our banks and say we don't accept duffel bags of cash because we're all electronic. So they like the fact they that, was, that, And that's know. the interesting thing about that is that's, that's perfect because honestly, you just de-risked yourself to them Very in true. their eyes so much, yeah. right? I mean, the second you add cash, it's like, whoa, the alarm bells go up. So no, great. Yeah, uh, you have to successfully launder it through yeah. your bank first and then yeah. transfer funds after. So yeah. two and a half years to get a bank to agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when did the Barclays deal come about? Like how long did that take? So that actually happened before we landed the deal in Canada, okay. technically. So it was probably at the two-year mark or so. Are they just more familiar with dealing with startups in this regard? That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, they're you know, based out of the UK. They're very forward-thinking with fintech. They're open to working like this. They know they're the much more changing. used to currency exchange. Very, yeah. So yeah. I, I would think that their infrastructure was far more along than anyone over here was. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so they sense. had it in place and we talked with them about what we we're doing. They said, we service other clients with this type of a service. If you build this, this is how it will look. And then we also needed to get that Canadian bank relationship to be able to pull money into our Canadian account and then send it to the UK to have it exchanged and sent globally after that. So yeah. took a little bit, but Barclays was willing to work with us. Then once we got the Canadian thing set up, it was good. This is about the time that I was just finishing the next 36 program. Mm -hmm. So end of summer, 2016. And, um, so you were all pumped up, ready to go and well, the bam, whole, the, deal gets landed. the whole summer I'm telling this program, I'm building this online tra money transfer business, but I can't transfer any money. Right. So by the very end of the program, I finally was like, I landed the account so we can put our first dollar through, you know? So it was kind of funny. Suddenly the crazy guy in the class is legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think anyone believed me up uh, until that point. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. So you land that off the, and how was the uptake initially? Very slow. Like yeah, for no the doubt. first like year, it was probably like. We would transfer the first month. I think we did twenty seven thousand. Yeah, we get one percent of that. Do the math: two hundred seventy yeah. in revenue in the first no, month. No, you're not even at ramen profitability yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't even handle anything. And not to mention our bank costs were probably like you know <laughs> five hundred <laughs> over no, two seventy. Oh, we have monthly costs yeah. that are high, like yeah. in the thousands, just for bank account there relationships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and just kind of kept plugging away. I had to learn a lot through this process. So we kind of didn't have the right resources yet, and then we didn't have the right salespeople that I roped in. It's yeah. honestly a being resourceful is the number one thing. I mean, you have to figure it out. Everything I'm telling you right now is just going to be an excuse. Anyway. Entrepreneurship 101. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, you got to hustle. I mean, the people are like, oh, I opened this business. I don't understand why customers don't come in. It's like, what are you <laughs> doing to make them come in? Yeah. Like, what value are you providing? Short of putting a gun to their head, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing to drive the business into your house, yeah. into your business? And it's just, I'll never cease to amaze me how many people just think that the second they open the door, they should have business. It's yeah. bizarre. But uh, Well, again, it's probably why, what, 50% of businesses fail? And after the probably first... about 80% of restaurants in the first year. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's it's, it's not the stats aren't good and a lot of times it's it is that so yeah. great so basically so then what led you to basically move from fx to basically taking payment deposit well payment. essentially what we listen to our customers right and what we realized is they were all talking about having 
this, you know, money transfer business that we had, which is great to pay out. But they're like, what about my clients around the world? Like, what about my clients in the US? How do I get their money back to Canada um, in a seamless way, like PayPal or credit cards via invoice or on my online checkout without having to pay these high fees? And that's originally where this kind of came about. And so I said, well, I'll look into this. I had to figure out licensing in the US. There was a lot to go with it. But I basically realized because we've automated the whole end-to-end flow of pulling funds, having it automatically exchanged to any currency and sending the wire out, we've automated that entire process. So I realized, wow, we can shave down the number of steps down to something as easy as like putting in some bank information and it's done. Makes it very simple. So essentially what you're saying is the, the code base you built up for the first product was it made the creation of the second product a lot easier. It's definitely true. Yeah. The automation of that kind of payment flow is what allowed us to be able to jump into here because you can't in an e-commerce store where you're doing $100 orders, $50 orders, you can't have that not automated. It's just too no. much manual work no. to deal with that. And frankly, no one wants to deal with multiple vendors for the same type of what they perceive as the same type of transaction, right? It's just yes. too much of a hassle. Very so true. yeah, no, I get that. I get why they would want to start to make this. So it's smart. You found, and, and you, I mean, it looks like you not only got the request, but you identified an underservice niche, which was the, the debit Definitely. card side of it. And I'm still blown away by that statistic on sales. I mean, yeah. like, I feel like that blog post is going to be like right to the top of, of, of business management. Definitely. Yeah. Like it's nuts. Well, the beautiful part too, and, and the reason kind of, you know, we were learning from our customers app, but we learned that this next product that we've launched has a real differentiation. You know, you're always learning as an entrepreneur and listening to investors to have a differentiating product that's really valuable. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have lots of different factors that have to add to that. But when you have a product that there's similar products out there, it's a real grind to scrape to get your customers and it's hard to scale up. So in this scenario, it just seems so obvious to jump in, help our current customers and have a product now that's easier to, you know, bring forth and, and actually provide a lot more value to these people. So and I would think that, I mean, this, this seems to me like a pretty sticky part of a, a pretty, pretty sticky relationship. Cause I mean, you're going to put this code base in on the website. The website's not going to be updated that often. Yeah. And frankly, as long as it's not broken, it's, it's working. And short of someone figuring out how to pull this off for zero, I can't imagine that you're going to have a lot of competition in that space. No, I mean, and in the beautiful part is getting our money transmitter licensing and getting those banking relationships taking two and a half years. Somebody else has to go through that to try and compete. And any incumbents basically have to basically in order to do that, they have to shave their margins dramatically and increase their efficiencies. So, uh, you know, it's the old, it's like not quite the innovator's dilemma, but it's the old dilemma of, you know, newer tech. And if you can basically, someone else was doing it for four and you can do it for two. Yeah. They got, what I have to say, addicted to the heroin of that, of that four. Right. And coming down from that to, to a much lower price, maybe you get the efficiencies there first and then suddenly your profitability goes to the roof, but then you got to give up the profitability in order to compete. That's a very hard thing to do. And that's why a lot of businesses get disrupted because they don't want to, to infringe on their, on their fat margins. Yeah. And yeah. the beautiful part is, think about it. I mean, we're, we're messing with PayPal, $95 billion market cap mm-hmm. Visa, 200, I think, or 250 billion. So you're messing billion. with them, but I mean, essentially at the same time, you're, you know, you're facilitating their world as well. I mean, you're, you're in the yeah. online payment space, right? No, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the stripes, the brain trees, the, the PayPals of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they are the ones who, you know, this is such a fun fundamental piece yeah. of commerce, right? And to think that we are literally being taxed to the tune of, of three points by the incumbents. I mean, that's part of the reason Satoshi wrote a paper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah, so true. so true. But again, then again, you know, he didn't foresee the fees that came out of that paper afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah. know, it was, that was, yeah, it was the article I read once was, yo, so you're into Bitcoin, hope you like fees. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, so what's the long-term vision? I mean, you've done, you've gone through, I won't call it a pivot. You've extended yourself yeah. one, one way after learning your lesson and, and basically making something profitable and moving to the next one. Yeah. So what's the long-term vision for this thing? So I'm obsessed with showing Canadian 
Canadians that we can do this type of stuff. We mm-hmm. need to scale this thing globally. Yeah. If we need a liquidity event for our investors, we'll go public with the company. But we want to show in Canada that we can win on such a global scale, scale to every country, set up all our banking relationships around the world. And then we become like the next PayPal built yep. out of Canada, essentially. Yeah. And it's our, like, our, like our, yeah. just for example, our vision statement is to help businesses expand internationally to help increase the economic prosperity of their respective countries. So we make it bigger than us. It's yep. not about us. It's not about a quick buck. You can't buy us for $50 million and get us to walk away. It's we need to do this to show Canada Someone that we can build you it. on that. But, anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, I mean, I, I commend you for that because it's, it's interesting. It, as, again, being Canadians, we have the underdog chip on our shoulder and Very it's true, uh, yeah. one of the more recent it's interesting it was a recent uh, guest also which was zero the uh oh, yeah. the accounting software yeah, yeah. and they're going to talk to them at some point oh so you do i mean they're they're a fascinating yeah. company they just bought out hubdoc yeah um, i saw that 70 million hubdoc's toronto based is it I'm i not think sure. it I think is, yeah. is yeah and i mean that was a very smart move but i mean it's interesting because they started in auckland Right. Mm-hmm. They started in New Zealand. Talk about a, you know, like I need to prove that Auckland can pull this, that New Zealand can pull this off yeah. and we're doing it, right? Like I'm familiar with that entire thing, right? Definitely. You know, yeah. So a spite can fuel you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the ones like, you know, that believe that are crazy enough to believe they can do it out of yeah. places like Auckland like that, they'll yeah. make it happen. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like the good idea, the right execution, the right people driving hard. It's going to happen, right? That internal drive has to be different, right? If, you're, if you want to make a quick buck, yep. I don't believe that you'll scale something that large. I don't. Thing. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because I'm involved in a couple of startups myself. And, you know, the discussion yeah. is, you know, there is there's an old saying is that always have one eye on the exit. But if your eye stays on that exit, you're going to you're never going to get there. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. OK, what is enough for me as a human being and as my corporate goal? At what point do I say, OK, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Right? Those are the terms you're going to set for yourself and how you're going to do that. So have that idea. But if that's all you're worried about, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's also not ones. a good motivator, right? Just to be rich. Like yeah. it's Well, I mean, maybe to some people, yeah, but, but I mean like, you know, but here's the thing, like, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out to you. You accomplish what you do. You recognize yeah. what you, what you want to do. You recognize you basically facilitated all this sooner or later. That challenge stops to feel like a challenge, right? You know, yeah. it's the old, you, someone said the other day in an interview I heard, which was the last time you heard Sergey or, or Larry talk about search. They don't care about that. They're investing in longevity. They're investing in driverless cars. So yeah. you, got, you got to find another facility for your passion. Definitely. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the one thing forever. Very true. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're going to wrap it up in a minute. But uh, before we do, I always have one question that I, that I ask everybody and I always kind of butcher the delivery of it because it's a little bit, not, <laughs> okay. not, not the most grammatically correct sense, but yeah. what about what you're working on or the industry in general, the trends you're seeing excites you the most and makes you just really ambitious to get out there and tackle it? Well, in general, I think that banking, this is helping banking force to change, to actually provide experiences that are a lot better um, yeah. in all of fintech, I think in general. I mean, from yeah. the payment side... It's just one piece of it. It's not necessarily the total value that's going to provide to businesses and users or end individuals. But uh, yeah, it's definitely um, that change of new experience, making it easy, uh, frictionless. Like that's the type of stuff we need to see. And it's a shame that like a lot of the technology built at banks has just been still on old mainframe stuff. And it's going to take some time to move over. Don't get me started. <laughs> no, like honestly. When, when yeah, I left the uh, brokerage from the shall not be named uh, okay. uh, in 2000 and end of 2001. Okay. The back office had just moved to Windows 95. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, I was visiting back there. And I'm like, yeah, these are mainframe computers. How is this possible? 
Like, yeah. <laughs> like how do you even know how to work one of these things? Yes. <laughs> like, it's, That's the other scary piece too. Like I know individuals that are within the bank and there's certain individuals at the bank that can't leave because they're the only ones that oh, have the knowledge of the code, but it. they're like in their sixties or even seventies. Well, I know we've been trying it's, to get uh, data extracts from certain custodians and like they're coming out in COBOL yeah. and it's just like, wait a oh, second, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what year was this base code written? Honestly, like, yeah. Oh man. yeah. So I'm just excited to see what, how the industry is going to change and see the end user get to benefit off the better user experiences and hoping a lot of Canadian companies can prove that and kind of keep skin up like HubDoc even for example is yeah. a good example of that too absolutely so yeah. Yeah. thank you for your time thank you for this and thank, thank you, you for your passion it's very inspiring and I hope some people listen to this and are motivated the same way you were motivated by listening to others talk that's great Jason thank you for having thank you. me so that was my interview with Jonathan Holland as you can see he's very ambitious very driven and I'm very interested to see where he ends up taking this and with that, I'm your host, Jason Pereira. If you enjoy this podcast, as always, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.